This is Garage Logic Podcast number 103, Feb 20, 2019. It was 20 below on this day in 1941 and 57 in 1981. And think of this when you look out the window. In 1981, on Feb 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, the temperatures were all in the high, high 50s. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. May I say something euphorian? You may. Actually, it's not euphorian, because euphorian people are not happy. They're essentially poops. (laughs) 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 When you look at any photograph in the newspaper taken during a... uh, significant snowfall, no matter where the photograph is taken, it turns the scene into almost a Norman Rockwell-like scene. It does. Yeah, it's you're true. right. No matter yeah. which neighborhood you are, no matter where, even the freeway can look charming. Mm-hmm. That's all I have. And oh, even just it? somebody walking through the snow looks. That's right, yep. John. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Speaking of that, yeah. did you guys see the email from our gal, Carrie Clatt, no. yesterday? Yes. No. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't get these emails. Oh, she sent uh, it you're to not you. Supposed to. Well, yeah. What was the publication, Joe? What was the the publication? Was it USA Today? USA Today. And it just it was plays right into what Joe's been complaining about. Thousands impacted. Everyone's gonna die. It was it was really embarrassing, and it was the headline on the front page of the paper. Well, we're at the point now where make it festive. We set a record. Let's keep going. We set a record. We we eclipsed 1962. Just think, the Earth's only been around for a couple of billion years, but we the record goes back to 1962, as far as we know. Right. You guys that uh, drove the freeway in, you probably didn't have the fun that Such and I had. Oh. Oh. It was just a blast coming in today. Trying to navigate city streets. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah. All the Frady cats stayed home. Yeah. 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 So you to yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a blast. But I have a bone to pick with all of you Billy Big Rigs with your four-wheel <laughs> Billy drive. Billy Big Rigs. <laughs> oh, I can still go 65. No, you can't, idiot. Slow down. <laughs> I took half highway and half city. It was more fun in the city, right? Yeah. The city streets 40 were a blast. is the perfect amount. Amount uh, as the perfect speed. Fifty is too much. Thirty is too slow. <laughs> okay. Forty on the freeways. Okay. <laughs> I have a new hero. Me? Nope. Let's see if I can find her name. I'm going to find her name. Uh, Hannah Kinney. Hannah Kinney, a student at the University of Iowa, is my new hero. Go Hawkins. And will become the hero of all garage logicians. What did Ms. Kinney do? She interrupted Democratic presidential candidate Kirsten Gillibrand, who was uh, campaigning in Iowa last okay. night. And, and, and she, this college student, they were, at the, were, they were at the airliner restaurant in Iowa City Monday night. The place was packed. Oh, yeah. Gillibrand was sitting in a booth, and she was pontificating about why she should be the next president, because she's going to fight for you. And this kid, Hannah Kinney, stood up and walked past her and raised a fuss. And essentially she was saying, look, I'm trying to get to the dressing. (laughs) I'm trying to get to the ranch dressing. You've got great ranch dressing here. I I love this woman. I love her. (laughs) 
this she's is, beautiful. Don't don't let me interrupt your little party, but uh, get the hell out of here. I'm trying to eat, and they have the best ranch dressing in the world here, and I don't give a bleep that you're running for the president. You're the 25th person that's going to come in here and clog up the airline diner, and all we're trying to do is have dinner. Right. Go home. Right. I Go saw the home. video of this. There is there was no room for air oh, as she was trying she to get was behind. She was going it. for that dressing. <laughs> is this at the airliner bar? Airliner restaurant, it says, yeah. in Iowa City. She sent out a tweet about it. Oh, good for you, kid. <laughs> what a what a wonderful... And, and, and she's in the failed academy. Well, that's See, that's the downside. There's a fighting chance Hannah Kinney didn't know who Kirsten Gilbrand was. That right. makes it better. That makes it better right. for me. Right. <laughs> Another presidential candidate in town. Uh, I knew something was going on, but I wasn't aware they were going to uh, uh, show uh, shove like 100 people into the busiest part of the restaurant, Kinney told the New York Magazine. Kinney says she's interested in politics, but she has a singular thought at the she had a singular thought at the moment. I was a girl on a mission, tunnel vision. It was also a little overwhelming. I'm only 5'2", so I'm shorter than most people. You can see in the video, I'm just trying to wiggle my way through to get to that salad dressing. (laughs) Kenny said the ranch at the airliner, which is homemade, is amazing and is even better than the restaurant's pizza. Together, it's probably the best thing you'll have in your entire world, Kinney said. Wow. <laughs> wow. Road trip. Mm-hmm. You know, I've stumbled into and out of many an establishment in Iowa City. I don't think I've been to the airliner. I can't help you. Now you know what you're going to get. Now i got to get go over there and get oh, me some ranch. Just watch Are the we? video. Hannah's one of my gals, too. I love her even more now. Are we to suspect that she dipped the pizza in the ranch dressing? Oh, that's oh, the that's, best. The kids do that I've never time. done that. My what? does it all the time. Oh, yeah. Or with uh, with garlic, garlic sauce. I I just (laughs) pizza's enough. I don't need. You don't. You you dip your pizza in the garlic sauce. Joe doesn't have time to do that. Back in the days when I was a sports writer, I got to get to my milk and cookies. The Vikings would have a Tuesday luncheon uh, at a hotel in Bloomington. If if you said the name of it, I might remember the name of the hotel. But it was for the press, and it was just the BS to set up the next game. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they still do that. Yeah, they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and one day, one Tuesday, Sid drank the whole bowl <laughs> of Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> he drank it? Yeah, he thought it was cold soup. Gazpacho <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> cold soup. The whole bowl. There oh. is a, uh, the, in fact, I know that they still do it because Joe... And I didn't stop him. I was, I was kind of amused. Well, sure, you don't stop him no. in the middle of the Thousand Island soup. No. Uh, <laughs> within the last two years, a member of the media... Um, Thought that there was enough leftover pizza that he decided to take a couple and throw them in his car and come sure. back in and do his writing afterwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did he get in trouble? No. 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 Okay. Patrick. Nope. It's a guy that used to be uh, made fun of with the question of the day. Oh, okay. Oh, Denny Green? No. Yeah. Oh, cool. no. Uh, not Denny Green. Uh, Fitzgerald. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Just throw it in the back of his car. Well, right? hell, uh, the Vikings had a coach named Bus Murdies who, when you'd fly home on a charter, and he, before he left the plane, he'd stuff his pockets as full of possible as all the rolls he could get. What? <laughs> Why? You got to take a roll home. I don't know. You know sounds like something Jeez. I do, actually. Same with you, rookie. Why are you acting out? Well, maybe not a roll. Maybe it's a piece of steak for sure. But I think Hannah Kinney uh, represented some symbolism of America right there. Uh, you, you, mm-hmm. you greedy bastards, you're here too early. 
You're here too often. Uh, I, I'm trying to eat. Uh, have your meeting somewhere else. I'm only five two. I got to struggle my way through your your sycophants here who <laughs> relish your, the presence of you, Gillibrand. Uh, go home. Come back about three weeks before the election in November of 2020. Because I need me some ranch. I need this ranch. You got a good ranch. Well, the, the reaction of the crowd was actually... I never did see a picture of her, Kenny. Oh, she's lovely. She's a little cutie? Yeah. 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 She, um, uh, the reaction of the crowd when she said, I just have to get some ranch, everybody thought that was hilarious. So it was quite, I don't know if it was a, a tense speech that she was doing at the time, but the reaction was uh, charming. Yeah, you have to call up the video, Matthew. It's uh, it's it's all over the internet. Oh, this would have be been fun. I love it would have been Joe. fun if it was Hillary and she said, "I'm trying to get to the barbecue sauce." <laughs> no, the, the hot, hot sauce. sauce. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Trying to get to the hot sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the worst cases of power washing has developed. Uh-oh. And I had a deep thought about power washers. Uh, I don't know how long I should wait because Rookie's going to try to show me this uh, video. While yeah. we while we wait for Rookie, we should mention uh, that we switched the way that we're going to produce and display and uh, upload the new Garage Logic podcast. We're going to do it in single file form now as opposed to the two separate files. We started doing that yesterday, and I think the vast majority of the Garage Logic audience was very happy with that decision for us to switch. All right. So I think it'll be a yeah. uh, enhancement to the show where you just hit play One and click, listen all the boom, way through. Here you go. I still don't understand why we need to tell them that. I mean, won't they just know it? Because the boss told us to, Kenny. It's like saying, hey, we got new microphones. Yay us. Okay, I'm watching the video. She's a (laughs) tiny child, and she squirms behind... Gillibrand hits uh, your volume button there. I don't. Right we don't rock. need it. It's it's not important. It doesn't help the listeners because they can't see the video, so ah, it's not important. Okay. Uh, you can go back to that lovely scene of Mount Everest that we were viewing. Uh, I want to tell they you. They still about, have their Christmas lights up. Mm-hmm. Well, that we can't have. How hammered are they anyway? <laughs> Federated Mutual Insurance Company tailors its insurance programs to individual businesses and industries. They offer property and casualty, life, disability, income insurance to businesses in select industries. Here's the best part. Their marketing representatives are not only the best in the game, they get to know the business owners, and that's why they can customize the coverage you need. If you have a driving is a significant part of your business, they'll talk to you about auto liability. And if you're worried about cyber attacks, and if you pick up a newspaper, you should be, you might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Rep to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive at Federated Insurance, where it's their business to protect yours. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Get to make a lot of moves today. I didn't see this coming, or did we? I, I don't think we did. I don't think I mentioned this yesterday, but I got an email from uh, Joshua. Uh, as I was listening to the podcast, I immediately thought, how can you not see what's going to happen to this photo? I got home and hopped on Facebook, and there it was. The second thing I saw as I scrolled down, I knew it was going to happen. Loving the podcast. Keep up the good work. Joshua from the newsman's neck of the woods, Andover. Hmm. He's referring to the photo uh, taken in Times Square in 1945 
of the uh, sailor kissing the nurse. Mm-hmm. Did we forecast yesterday that that would have been power washed? We did not. We did not. I, I didn't did. see it coming. I didn't see it's been power washed. You're got to wait, baby. It's cold outside. No, no. The style from the Sarasota Herald Tribune. George Mendonza wasn't even buried yet, but a statue depicting the World War II veteran kissing a woman in Times Square to celebrate the end of World War II was vandalized in Sarasota oh my yesterday. The sculpture called Unconditional Surrender was spray-painted with a hashtag MeToo graffiti indicating the movement founded in 06 to help survivors of sexual violence, which is carries the implicit uh, idea that the nurse was sexually violated by this kiss from the soldier. Wow. While the statue, which came to Sarasota in November of '09, represents nostalgia and a level of unity and pride, some consider the art, some consider the statue a sexual assault by today's standards. According to the Sarasota Police Department, officers responded shortly before 1 a.m. Tuesday to report a person vandalizing the statue uh, at North Gulfstream Avenue and Bayfront Drive. Officers found a hashtag MeToo painted in red on the left leg of the woman. Officers searched the area for spray paint bottles, but found none. No other objects were found to be vandalized. Mendonza, the sailor who kissed Greta Zimmer Friedman, a dental assistant in a nurse's uniform, on August 14, 1945, died Sunday at age 95. Mm. There was no surveillance video of the incident. Damage is estimated to be more than a grand. Police believe the vandalism took place Monday between the afternoon and evening. The city of Sarasota Public Works Department was notified, and the graffiti has been removed. Many visitors to the statue Tuesday were tourists who came for a photograph with the larger-than-life figure. It's a beautiful statue, said 25-year-old Francesca Santini. It's definitely impressive. It's something people know was in Sarasota and likely come to see. The Baltimore native was with her boyfriend and called the graffiti an inappropriate way to express an opinion. There are quite a few different ways for people to voice their opinion these days, Santini said. They go on social media and other ways. They could have done it that way, and it would have been better, a little more respectful. They wanted people to see it. They are trying to get some attention. Santini says she supports the Me Too movement, adding that there is value in women sharing stories of abuse, but maybe shared in a different way than using graffiti, she said. Uh, the statue wasn't tagged long. John Cloud, the owner of Gorilla Clean in Sarasota, learned about the damage and responded without being contacted to clean the statue at no charge. Uh, Cloud performs yearly maintenance on unconditional surrender. He used a special teening, uh, cleaning technique to remove paint on the top layer of the statue and touched up a few blemishes. Uh, the city of Sarasota does not own the unconditional surrender. World War II veteran Jack Curran paid five hundred grand. Wow! To place the statue on the bayfront. Oh my goodness! The Public Arts Committee approved the installment by a three to two vote. The commitment is scheduled to end sometime in twenty twenty when the city could receive the statue. Uh, we cannot change history; it's etched in stone," said Scott Young of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The statue represents to me welcome home. Well, no kidding. Such. So this emailer Joshua, he. Uh, sent me the uh, screenshot of the Facebook post that he knew he was going to see when he got home. He's been attending classes at the University mm-hmm. of Garage nice, Logic, nice. apparently, Paying and he's way ahead of us. me. Yeah. Way ahead. See, but I don't want to be a power washer, and I'm not suggesting Joshua does either, but he was alert to the idea, I know damn well I'm gonna, what I'm going to see. And it was, uh, it was a uh, screenshot of the statue and some woman writing that this is an example of sexual assault. 
Suits, weren't they? They oh. were reunited um, a few years ago, weren't they? The gal and the guy? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Here's the deal. If you're a power washer, you really lead a miserable life. You really do. Nothing's going to make you happy. Because yes. you're not seeing the reality in front of you. You're seeing, you're seeing what you have decided should replace reality. So you're living a false life. That statue represents nothing but charm. It represents nothing but happiness. It represents nothing but relief. There's another one that's in San Diego, right by, right outside of the aircraft carrier, for the big 41 that yeah. they've got there that yeah. people tour. And, do. and there were, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands of people posing for photos in front of that. Of the same kind of statue? Same exact statue. Hmm. Same exact one. And it never once occurred to me. It speaks to American happiness, doesn't it? Yes. Right. He's 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 fondly holding her and and uh, bending her over and planting a big smooch on her and and uh, she doesn't maybe I'm not going to analyze it. It is what it is. It was a it was a moment in American time that represented nothing but happiness. And now these fools come along and they power wash this. To, to insist that this was sexual assault. Uh, We're doomed. We, we are, are doomed. In real trouble. Alfred Eisenstadt, who took the picture, this is what he said. I was walking through the crowds on, uh, get out of that. I was walking through the crowds on VJ Day looking for pictures. Noticed a sailor coming my way, grabbing every female he could find and kissing them all, young girls and old ladies alike. I noticed the nurse standing in the enormous crowd, focused on her and just that I'd hoped. The sailor came along, grabbed the nurse, and bent down to kiss her. Now, if this girl hadn't been a nurse, if she hadn't, if she'd been dressed in dark clothes, I wouldn't have had that picture. The contrast between her white dress and the sailor's dark uniform gives the photograph its extra impact. It well, right. I also think that what gave the photo its impact was the very fact that she was dressed as a nurse. Mm-hmm. Look at the symbolism there: yes. a sailor and a nurse, and. It's it's nothing but gorgeous. Power washers are going to so darken the universe for us that will it it, it will be it will affect our lives. Mm-hmm. But only if we let them. I know. I, I, I mean, still, there's there's got there's already pushback on this, and I think people are going to continue to push back against the absurdity of this power washing. But it's it's just so it's just so vile. You are okay. What gets what gets corrupted every time there's power washing? Uh, um, well, history. Normalcy. Um, truth. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't, the truth is, that wasn't a sexual assault. God, no. That was a, a spontaneous, happy embrace at the relief of the war being over. It was a happy, spontaneous embrace. That's the truth. Power washing corrupts truth. Power washing obliterates truth. That's why it's so insidious. And the people who power wash don't see truth. Here's my hope. With this particular case, with the baby it's cold outside movement that we had, that there is enough people. For every one of these nutcases, I hope there's five to ten others that say, you're an idiot. Oh, there are. With with baby it's cold outside, there was a few that thought, yeah, it's 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 talking about date rape. Well, no, it's not, you moron. No, that. But it got enough pushback that I think that that finally calmed down. Mm -hmm. But what's what purpose does it serve to bring back this picture and say uh, in the Me Too movement 
this is sexual harassment. What what purpose does it serve when you're taking something festive and it was a, a snapshot in time and then it was over? He didn't drag her anywhere. He didn't force her to go anywhere with her. He walked away and, and probably kissed a 95-year-old lady that was in New York City. Weird. I don't understand what, what purpose it serves. It serves to advance your agenda, which is, in this case, women are victims. Uh, they've been put upon. Well, which, in fact, is true. There's, they've suffered from inequality and they have patriarchy. And, in this case, nobody suffered. No, nobody said. And, he, and the wrong. picture, the picture was only most recently in the news because uh, Mr. Mendonza yeah. died mm-hmm. at the age of ninety-five. Is she still with us? Uh, let's look yeah. up her name. Yeah, that was not in the story Monday. I'm not sure. Rook, go to the big screen. Well, I got it up here. They have there. Uh, Greta Zimmer Friedman. Is she still alive? Nope, died at the age of 92 in 2016. Boy, they both had good long lives, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did. Know? Yeah. So apparently she wasn't that traumatized. She made it to, <clears throat> she made it to 92. Said, one thing that disturbs me about this kind of thing, and the same uh, with false racial allegations, mm-hmm. when real things happen that right. should be called yep. out, people kind of go, because these idiots, you know, are finding something to complain about with this picture. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so it lessens the impact of real ones. Mm-hmm. She said, it wasn't my choice to be kissed, Friedman stated in a 2005 interview with the Library of Congress. The guy just came over and grabbed, she said, adding that the man was very strong. I wasn't kissing him. He was kissing me. I didn't see him approaching. Before I knew it, I was in his tight grip, Friedman told CBS News in 2012. So well, it doesn't seem like she was... I think she was happy to be part of history. What, what did you just say, John? Racial stories, too? Racial stories. Well, the, word, the word racism the, is Like brutal. the case with Smollett. Well, here's the latest on Smollett. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is suspected of, uh, of of creating the hate crime. He's also suspected of sending that letter to himself. You're kidding. No. Really? No. Oh, God. And uh, he... Uh, he's already been in trouble with the law. Uh, he is suspected, okay, he pleaded no contest in 07 to providing false information to police during a DUI stop in L.A. Uh, the misdemeanor complaint filed in Los Angeles Superior Court in September that year says that Smollett gave the name of his brother, Jake, when he was asked by an officer. He also signed a false name on the promise to appear in court. Smollett was later charged with false impersonation, driving under the influence and driving without a license. Court records show he pleaded no contest to the reduced charge of giving false information in addition to DUI and driving without without a valid license. Uh, Smollett, now 36, was sentenced to two years probation and a choice of a fine or a jail stint. The uh, An L.A. city attorney spokesman told NBC News he later completed an alcohol education and treatment program and completed the terms of his sentence in May of 08. So the guy has a little... Uh, Guy has a little history. Hmm. The old case came to light as authorities investigate whether the Empire actor concocted a story about being attacked by racists with a noose and bleach near his apartment in Chicago on Jan 29. So I listened to the Monday's podcast. I wasn't here. I listened to it. And uh, I have a question for you guys. Did any of you, were any of you on this story right away the day after? Did you read about no, this? That's anymore? a good question. I, I'm glad you brought it up. I completely ignored that story. 
I was on it only because it was a big deal on Twitter, and I'd click it and look yes. at it and follow it. And I believe the guy 100%. It didn't even cross my mind that he could have been lying. I don't know what that says about me, but okay, that's I thought, where I was at. But we were also duped a bit by the Covington case, too. I totally. ignored it. Yeah. I yeah. ignored it because I didn't know who he was, and I had never heard of the show, and there's a million things I see every day, and I just let that one pass. I did. I had my um, suspicions only because he said immediately because he said he walked home with the noose around his neck. Oh, right. Uh, and that to me said, "Why would you?" That's that's very that's that's awkward. So that yeah. red flag went up, and then it yeah. was, "Let's wait and see what happens." Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I didn't doubt the case at first, but I thought because he was really readily available to go on all the morning shows right away, and I thought. That's a little weird if you're well, that traumatized. That's by... my second question. Um, the media, I, I think, had an obligation to cover it. Did well, they sure, yes, of course, for they sure. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your yeah. your um, um, observance about you know, they had mega hats on, and you say, well, that's not a couple that's of black guys in Obama's <laughs> neighborhood have uh, mega hats on. It was they're north, they're north Nigerian... of downtown, right? Yeah, North Shore Drive, the North yeah. Loop, right? Yeah. North yeah. Loop. Yeah. yeah, they they were Nigerian brothers, right? Yeah. Which I thought, well, whatever. I was a little disappointed to learn, too, that he and I worked together. Huh? Yeah. He was on the Mighty Ducks movie, and I was an extra because it was filmed oh, in my hometown. God. What and the I thought, hell are you talking he about? He was in the Mighty Ducks movie. He's Small the, F? Yes. He was the, the short kid that, that was mouthy. That was him. And you I was don't all, even know how to skate. Nah, and I can skate. Were you in the movie? Yeah, He's I'm in the background. Did you see yourself in the movie? Yeah. Apropos of nothing. It was filmed in Faribault. I did not know that. That yeah. was the second one? Uh, the first one. It was also filmed on Park Avenue yep. in Minneapolis because I sat there one day. Um, Stoned out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. You said it, so I didn't have to. <laughs> and I watched, the, I watched the production. Yeah. The, yeah. the All of the scenes in that old <laughs> arena, that's Shattuck's hockey arena. Yeah. That's where that's where all those scenes were filmed. The problem is Kenny thought they were filming a Cheech and Chong movie. And <laughs> it's a little off. Why are they playing hockey? I here? also went to a Bill Clinton Dave. rally under the same, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this ruins the guy's career, such as it was. I think he'll. I think it will. If it's proven that he made all this up, he did a serious but, one-on-one interview with Robin Roberts on for Good Morning America in the hotel room in the all the lighting and, and fancy, and he said, "I would never make up anything like right. this." Well, you guys brought this up on Monday, and you're right. Whoever said it, the onus now is on Hollywood. Yeah, we're waiting for yes. their next move. Mm-hmm. In what sense? What is Hollywood? they need to shun him? I mean, his career, they're all as such as, yeah. as it is, hasn't needs been, to be it over. hasn't been demonstrated yet that he concocted the story. We're all pretty much of a mind that he did, but that hasn't been proven yet. Right. And yeah. he still will not hand over his, his, phone. The phone, his phone to see what he has deleted or still has compared to what Verizon or T-Mobile has. Well, you mentioned the Covington situation. Attorneys representing the Kentucky high school student involved in a confrontation that went viral on social media announced Tuesday that they are suing the Washington Post for $250 million in compensatory and punitive damages. The lawsuit, which was filed in federal court in Kentucky, accused the Post of practicing a modern-day form of McCarthyism by targeting Nicholas Sandman and using 
its vast financial resources to enter the bully pulpit by publishing a series of false and defamatory print and online stories to smear a young boy who was, in its view, an acceptable casualty of their war against the president. I, I, uh, mm. I'm not a big fan of lawsuits, and I, I, but I, I, I think this is what it's going to take to slap these elites mm-hmm. upside the head yep. and make them realize you've got, you better get back to some semblance of journalistic standards mm-hmm. because you can't go by your template. You can't get up in the morning and go to work for the Washington Post and report only based on an agenda that's expected. You better get to the truth of things. And, it won't, and they didn't get to the truth of it things. It won't stop the Twitter mob, but it will stop the Post. Mm-hmm. Mm. And now it's all about who has the deepest pockets to afford the lawyers, and uh, I think the Post probably leads in that. Well, yeah, they're owned by Jeff Bezos, yeah, who is a multi multi billionaire, mm-hmm. and uh, I just lost a I lot of money I, to divorce. I don't blame uh, this kid for suing him. No, I don't either. I mean, the lawyer's going to get the most of it, but that's that's the way that works. Uh, that's it'll it'll be But it's a case. This is a legitimate case of it went unchecked, they ran with it it's, and it it they turned on this kid. It's libel, right? That's what we call it in print, libel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it certainly looks like a pretty strong Slanders case. verbal libel right. print. It looks like a pretty strong case of libel. I think so. And well, is it only going to stop with the post? Remember, if, if this lawsuit is carried forward, and if if Sandman's attorneys win, uh, that will put all news gathering institutions on high alert. Mm-hmm. But they got to get their act together. Mm-hmm. Just because you hate Trump, as the Washington Post does, doesn't mean you get to you get to uh, sully the reputation of a high school kid. Right, and just because you're understaffed, you know. In in the way you were 15 years ago, that doesn't give you an excuse either. Boy, I'd like to see the original Post article. The lawsuit claims the Post ignored the truth about the incident and says the paper falsely accused Nicholas of accosting Phillips by suddenly swarming him in a threatening and physically intimidating manner, blocking Phillips' path, refusing to allow Phillips to retreat, taunting the dispersing uh, indigenous crowd enchanting, build that wall. All of which was proven to be false. No, none of it was true. All of which is proven to be false. And it was also... I don't know what the Post has to stand on here. Right. And it was also the rare time on this show, Joe, where you were right and the rest of us were wrong. <laughs> what was <laughs> I right about? Well, remember, we... Oh, yeah. We embarrassed ourselves. Yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, you did. You all yeah, did. Yeah. But you didn't You didn't, uh, You didn't. didn't think it through with the, with the mind of the newsman that I am. Right. You know, the great mind of the newsman that I am. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. enough. Well, the that's almost enough. Pulitzer Prize winning mind. <laughs> oh, there we yeah, go. Still, there we go. The that's... almost... Almost is the key word yes, here, isn't it? Rook? It really is. <laughs> we should put that on a T-shirt. Nobody's finished second more than me. <laughs> Are we coming back with Johnny Heights news? Wonderful. Hey, folks! John Madden here, and you're listening to Garage Logic. I mean, the mayor—he's the guy that, that runs that thing. I mean, he's the guy that takes care of all that stuff the mayors do: fireworks, uh, starting up stuff, cylinders. You know, he's, he's Joe Schuster, I mean, the mayor. <laughs> we gotta get him on. <laughs> Here's John Heights. 
Thank you, Joe. Uh, former Gopher football coach Jerry Kill, oh, Jerry. Uh, raising a little ruckus here, told a national radio audience Tuesday that the current coach, P.J. Fleck, is, quote, about himself and not his players, huh. describing a deep divide that's formed since they coached together at Northern Illinois. Kill told hosts A.J. Hawk and Matt Schick on Sirius XM College Sports, he coached with me, but after that, you know, he changed a lot. I'll just be honest with you guys. Flack couldn't be reached for comment, spent two seasons coaching under Kill at Northern Illinois uh, before joining Greg Schiano's staff at Rutgers in 2010. Uh, Kill said after that, his personality changed. said, and I knew his first wife, and he just changed a bunch. In 2012, Fleck became the head coach at Western Michigan at age 32. Kill said, I helped him get the job at Western Michigan, and I just think sometimes the ego gets carried away. 57-year-old Kill now is the athletic director at Southern Illinois. Resigned, of course, as Gophers coach in 2015 for health reasons. He's been keeling over lately, or is he all right? No, he's, he's all right. Is, uh, well, is Beat Red Jerry wrong? Um, he's not so. necessarily wrong, but it does really come across as sour yeah. grapes. Like, Jerry, he, just let it go. Eh. The problem is, when remember when Fleck came here, he said, we have to change the culture. Well, that's kills very offended by that because it's the culture he but installed. every basically. coach but says that. Chris, yeah, you didn't overuse cliche. Yes. Uh, John, Chris, d- did Jerry bring this up or was he asked? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Do I didn't truthful? hear the yeah. question. No, I did hear the question. Was it an ESPN show? It was a serious XM radio oh, show. I, mean, I, don't, I don't listen to satellite radio. I mean, if he was asked the question, he's off the hook. He gave an honest He opinion. is, but this is about, what, Johnny, the third or fourth time he's gone yeah, after Flex, including on the station well, we okay. used to work at. Okay. Well, that does smack okay. of And and he finished this one by saying, uh, he said they spoke soon after the Gophers hired Fleck. He and Fleck spoke. He wrapped it up yesterday by saying, yep, and that'll be the last time. (laughs) Do I still root for the Gophers? I do. Do I enjoy him running up and down the sidelines? No. Well, so so the criticism should be directed at the host who tossed in the softball Mm -hmm. question, knowing what the answer would be ahead of time. Former former Packer. I firm belief. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Okay. Why? Why Why'd is, you do that, Fred? Why, why, uh, it says Fleck bit. It's FDR. <laughs> that was right. Fred. That Fleck was Franklin. bit fear itself. Okay. Maybe PJ Fleck. Definitely not any sleep. Like so I really appreciate you having us on the show, but definitely well, not you. any sleep. We've got a lot of work to do, and this is why you coach college football. That's right. Uh, one other sports note. Uh, we talked about Don Newcomb uh, passing away yesterday. Uh, long, wonderful story in the L.A. Times on Newcomb. Uh, he was one of the last links to the great Brooklyn Dodgers teams. I uh, helped integrate baseball with teammates Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella. Uh, in this story, uh, Newcomb apparently told uh, the writer Robinson helped Campy, Roy Campanella, and him stay positive, despite ballplayers calling them vicious and awful names from the opposing dugout because of their color. He said Robinson told him to change the I in the word bitter to E to make better. He did say, though, that'll work. He did say, though, Robinson could get irritated. Why didn't those guys just beat the hell out of people? Yeah, well, uh, he said Robinson could get irritated, (laughs) pointing to one day in Chicago when the cat calls from the Cubs' dugout were particularly loud and demeaning. Go into the dugout and beat the crap out of them. Well, Robinson walked up to the mound and rubbed up the ball for Newcomb and said, hey, Sometimes if the ball slips out of your hands and goes, right. goes up under a batter's chin, don't feel bad about it because they don't feel bad when they throw at me and Roy. Yeah. Newcomb knocked down the next seven hitters. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> nice! He, he was ejected from the game after the seventh hitter. Although, they, but they gave him seven. They gave him right. well, seven. He, right. And he protested. Was he, the umpire he, a black guy? He, no, no. Uh, he protested. You know what he said to the ump? Huh. He said, 
I, you can't throw me out until I get the other two. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. But the, uh, the ump threw them out. That's I love, fantastic. I love it, too. Oh, that's six. Yeah. But uh, one, one more. more. Come on, one give more. me two. Right. I want to get nine. Maybe he's cut them off while. at seven, the ump says. Well, now, did we learn, did that shut them up? Did that shut the Cubs up? Uh, for that game? Well, he I got thrown out of the game, game. So, yeah, yeah who knows? Yeah. So, refresh my memory. I know the story how it went in jazz with uh, baseball. Did uh, Robinson and Camp, did they have to stay at different hotels? No. And no, were they no, not allowed so. to eat there's in the an, same restaurant? In the pros, fact, they did? In fact, in this story, uh, there's a story about Newcomb. Uh, they get off a bus and are dropped off at a... A hotel that uh, houses only blacks. Blacks only. It's beyond my comprehension. Newcomb was angry because none of the white players said a word. He said, said, at least I wish somebody would have said, you know, anything. But we just walked off the bus, went into our hotel, and that was it. I would have been such a creep that uh, I would have got off the bus with the black dudes and stayed with them. Well, you would hope somebody would have. Yeah. Well, Well, I mean, why not? You you were talking about music. You know, the Sinatra story, uh, when that happened with a big band he was singing with, he walked in to the hotel and said, uh, they said, no, we can't have any of the black people stay here. He walked in and said, no, the black people are staying here or nobody's staying here. Nobody's playing any concerts in this city. Right. And then there's the famous uh, Marilyn Monroe uh, story. Wasn't it Ella Fitzgerald? Yep. At the Hollywood Bowl yep. or someplace like uh, that? It was a club. Uh, yeah, it was a club in Hollywood. And yeah. she, she said, if you book her in here, I'll be here in the front row every night. And, and she, she was. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I heard a story last night. I watched a documentary about Sammy Davis Jr. Uh-huh. Yeah, American that was Masters, a good one. American yeah. Masters. American Masters, yeah. And uh, Sammy was scheduled to appear at that famous JFK birthday party yeah. where mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe sang happy birthday to him. And Frank was there and the yeah. whole deal. But Frank uh, or uh, Sammy got disinvited. Because the Kennedy campaign did not want to risk alienating <laughs> Southern voters with uh, Sammy, who at the time I think was married to my Brit, a yeah. white woman. Yeah. Right. And so Sammy was disinvited and remained disappointed till the day he died that Frank didn't back him up and speak mm, up for interesting. him. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's hmm. what, that's only sixty years ago. Isn't that something? That's yeah. It's yeah. beyond comprehension. Do you know that Fran, uh, Sammy was a hell of a drummer? Oh yeah, really good. There's a great God video. God Almighty he could do everything on YouTube. There's a video of him. Uh, the big band is playing. He goes from the drums to the piano to vibes yep. and plays all of them yep. like like a professional yep. at, at that and tap danced between yeah. the yeah. instruments. Yeah. He amazing. was a great drummer until he knocked his eye out with a stick. Isn't that how it happened? No, that was a car accident. No. Oh. We should almost do a music uh, segment. He had steel show. hips at the end of his life, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's only 64 when he died. Yeah, he was oh, young. he was? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Well, 1990. Did you ever see him without a cigarette? I mean, he no. had one every Boy, day. those boys love their heaters. Oh. <laughs> My I'll grandpa, growing up, being an entertainer, worked with whites, blacks, and the the mistreatment of African Americans, black guys, even though they were great musicians, they were just, oh, matter, you got to go. Yeah, yeah you got to go, go to that room. I just yeah. don't get it. We love your music, and we're applauding you. You were great, but, but time to go. now you got to go over there. That's why so many of them went over to Europe mm-hmm. and stayed there, yeah. because mm-hmm. that nonsense wasn't over there. And they were treated much better there. Yeah, they still, actually, musicians and still are. Even as late as Jimi Hendrix, yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. Kenny, my Grandpa Red also preferred to stay with uh, some of the, the yeah. brothers out there be, just because it was <laughs> such <up>. great <laughs> entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, news. That, what he means is weed. Weed, yeah. <laughs> weed. <laughs> 
Uh, for, uh, we're breaking records today. Forecasters uh, saying this will uh, give us more snow in February than we've ever had. This well, storm ever had that we know of. Yeah, uh, do, as far as record keeping goes, I think it's fantastic. Twenty six and a half inches. I love was, it. Was the record from nineteen sixty two? Going into this storm, we had twenty two point six. We probably broke it already, huh? Yeah, we, we did. We've got, we, oh. we did at ten thirty this morning. Oh, did we? Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 A little sounder for that rook. A little fanfare or something. We broke a record. Whoop, I think a little, it's Fantastic. A little full disclosure, uh, my son is here today because he didn't have school, and he got a full glimpse of the mayor because I had to run him to the bathroom, and Joe came walking by goes, i got to look outside. And William goes, why does he do that? <laughs> that's, uh, that's what the mayor does. It's very different. <laughs> the record has been broken, ladies and gentlemen. What you, would that be, a 57-year-old record? 62, yeah. 62, no, no. 50, yeah, 57. 57. Oh, yeah, 57. from nine is yeah, that's, that's question. 57-year-old record. Question for you guys regarding space management. Oh. Do I or do I not cuckold my neighbor by snowblowing his driveway so his wife can park back there? He has not cleared the snow in the last two snowfalls. Ooh. Yeah. Define what you mean by cuckold. <laughs> I'll do his job for him because he's too much of a loser. Yeah. Are you anticipating in exchange for favors from his wife? Exchange? No, of course not. Oh, exchange, right, I just wondering. I just exchange for nothing. Your new curtains? I think Kenny, you would. I, I'm facing the same thing. My neighbor remains out of town. I've already done his humps twice. That though, that would be good and neighborly of you. My neighbor is there. He's shoveling the front. He's not going back to shovel the driveway then I for think, his wife. I think it's time that the wife and uh, her husband had to come to Jesus meeting about that. It's not it's your Kenny responsibility. I wonder. Yeah. Right. You're going to be there? Yeah. You're going to be there? Okay. Maybe he'll be in the closet. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Watching? All you oh. see is his shoes. Hello, <laughs> oh. Harold. Hey, how you doing, Kenny? <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of snow. Students in Malacca Public Schools might soon be able to ride their snowmobiles to class this again. This is a ray of hope. This is a ray of hope. Yes. I, I don't like the again portion of this. Why was it pulled in the first well, place? Well, uh, recently students arriving by sled have been told to turn around and leave. That's because riding a snowmobile to school violates a city ordinance and district policy prohibits snowmobiles on school grounds. Oh, God. Jeez. But at a school board meeting Tuesday night, Malacca High School principal Damian Patnode said he's found a possible solution. He plans to ask the city council to grant an easement, which would allow students to ride across publicly owned property. Here's today's ray of hope. Students uh, say they hope something can be worked out soon. Uh, Brett Olson said the whole point of being on a snowmobile is to feel freedom. Get outside. Patnode says he plans to present his idea to city council members on Thursday. You can't ride a damn snowmobile <laughs> to school in Malacca. Where can you? Yeah. It was part of my upbringing. Is this not America? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. I'm talking about America. Hey, uh, another snowmobile story. Hold Kenny on one second. Be here today, one second. Because, so Kenny, you, did you ride your sled? Oh, absolutely. And what I can't figure yeah. out is you don't have to ride across school grounds if you wanted to park at... Like, for instance, in my high school, 
Everybody just parked at the guy's house that lived because he, 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 his kid was our age. I was a tremendous show off, so I would ride to school and then park it, pull it up on top of the highest snow yes. pile <laughs> I could find and let it teeter there all day. As he's cupping a heater. What do you think of that? <laughs> you and your, were you in your scout outfit? <laughs> Why'd you take that down? I love that scout uh, outfit. I get really sick of people retweeting. Oh. You know, Twitter would be a lot better if you couldn't retweet and favor things. <laughs> he's the guy in social media that says, leave. Leave me alone. Yeah. I'm, I'm insulted when you people like my tweets. Bugs me. Another snowmobile story. A Sherwood man is crediting Apple's Siri on his iPhone for saving his life after he crashed his snowmobile on Lake Minnetonka late Saturday night. John Henry III said he has snowmobiled most of his life, never had a crash until last weekend. All of a sudden, boom, he said. I was up in the air, and the next thing you know, I was aside of the snowmobile, and I was on my back. Henry hit a large pressure ridge oh. in the dark near Big Island. Yikes. And he, ain't he got no lights? He was left stunned on the ice in sub-zero temps. He had several broken ribs, also injured his back and shoulder. Wow. He said, I tried to get up. I couldn't move. The pain was too excruciating. I couldn't move. I yelled a couple of times. I thought to myself, I don't want to die here. Henry said he knew his cell phone was in his pocket, but he couldn't reach it because of the injuries. I was hoping it would work because it was down by my waist. So I just said, hey, Siri, call 911. And the call went through. No kidding. I'll be damned. Wow. I think my, when you said that, I think mine just called 911. <laughs> That's right. Mine said yeah, Careful, too. check your phones. Emergency responders uh, pl- uh, pinged his cell phone signal, searched the area around where the call was made, found him about 45 minutes later. Uh, his wife, Dana, very happy, said, I could have woken up Sunday morning with five kids and no husbands. We are wow. super Actually, thankful. As you say that, how many people are now listening to this show on their phones and yeah. Siri was just activated because right. of John. Um, <laughs> did he have any frostbite issues or anything? That's uh, a long time to lay say there. Any Reporting isn't what it uh, used to be. Yeah, yeah. That's what, exa- uh, what's the source of that story? Uh, Channel Five. Oh, well, it would have made, it wouldn't made any difference. It would have been the same no matter yeah. who it was. Yeah. Russia said uh, they'll respond to any U.S. deployment of short or intermediate range nuclear weapons in Europe by targeting not only the countries where they're stationed, but the United States itself. What brought this on? That coming from Vladimir Putin. Well, they uh, scrapped the nuclear uh, oh, right. uh, arms uh, deal. In his toughest remarks yet on a potential new arms race, Putin said Russia was not seeking confrontation, would not take the first step to deploy missiles in response to Washington's decision this month to quit the Cold War era arms control treaty. But he said Russia's reaction to any deployment would be resolute, and that U.S. policymakers, some of whom he said were obsessed with U.S. exceptionalism, should calculate any risks before they take any steps. You know, you used to be able to drive a snowmobile in the cities. Yeah. yeah. Why? What were they afraid of? Why did they... Uh, well, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's the, some wise counsel that yeah, you can't. Probably not But the in best. the early days of snowmobiles, they, the, the political class just hadn't gotten around to banning them yet. <laughs> the I-500, where did, did, that, did that end at Phelan? Where did that yes, end at? Yes, it did. Yeah, that's, that's into the city. I covered that once. I know you did. The only From sporting event I covered that I never saw. <laughs> They were here an hour ago. Yeah. You'd watch them leave, and then you'd go to where they were supposed to show up, and you'd watch them come in. Those so, guys, I know a few of those guys that ran that race, purely, completely, totally, 100% insane. Oh, they yeah. pin that throttle to the bar and just hold on. Wiping out mailboxes. Oh, it's, just a, it's just carnage. Carnage. So what did, remind me, what did you write about? 
If you if you never saw any, oh, they took off pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed to be clear skies when they arrived in Alexandria. One of them was damn near dead. Slide <laughs> forty two had some trouble getting yeah. out of the gate. But that's when that race was a big, big oh, deal. Terribly big. It was deal. huge. Yeah. What was it? it? Was it was just part a of the winter snowmobile carnival. race? No, part of the winter carnival. But Dude. I mean, you'd, you'd get on and a snowmobile called and the, the Winnipeg Five Hundred. And I think okay. the carnival, if I remember right, the carnival. Created it, didn't they? Or did I, they just glom onto it? I think it? they might have glommed onto it. You gave me the coolest sticker I've ever owned. And I want it back. It's still <laughs> unstuck. It's an I-500. It had one? Big blue bumper sticker. And huh. you came in one day all surly and crabby and tossed it at I me. I don't want like, this. Take this, you blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's wow. hanging on my wall right well, now. Don't I say love I it. I didn't ever give you anything. Right. So how did it <laughs> so, work? Were, was this a sponsored deal? Did these racers pay? or They were, were, com- they were competing for money. And uh, they were pro. To a certain extent, a lot of the, all the factories were involved, and then a lot of amateurs also involved. And they yeah. started in Winnipeg, and they finished at Lake Phelan. And this racing deal—it was, you know, the old phrase was, and I guess it still holds true somewhat today: "What wins on Sunday, sells on Monday." Well, it's the old stock car series, yeah, sure. and, and that's why they the races were so popular. What are we talking? How many racers started this thing? Oh, hundreds, R- really? Oh, yeah, and they quarantined the sleds at night, so you couldn't work on them. You you, you only had a few hours. A window every day to work on them, and the sleds were guarded. And was there a circuit? I mean, right now there's a huge, you know, snow. Yeah, there was also a cross country circuit, and it was legitimate. And they had ten to twenty mile uh, long races where they'd do laps. Oh wow! But this was the biggest of them all. But that predated snowmobile trails. Yes. Where did they? They went down roads, I think. Uh, Road ditches, cross country, wherever they could. Yeah. 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 They took out Farmer Ned's corn. (laughs) That's how I grew up riding. There were no trails when I was a kid. We were one hundred percent boondockers. The most important tool on the sled. The wire cutters, because we're always dealing with barbed wire. Oh, my God. God. And that would the, keep me off. The Dad, big, don't yell at me. Kenny said that. Right. The big pledge, and we always patted ourselves on the back about it. If you open a gate, close a gate. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind the fact that you're trespassing <laughs> right. all over these guys' land. <laughs> In Fargo, North Dakota, a local school bus driver is facing drunk driving charges, and police say kids were on board at the time of the arrest. Happened Monday afternoon, Fargo police called to 52nd Avenue South for a report of a reckless driving school bus. When the caller called, they said the bus was swerving all over and kids were running up and down the aisle of the bus. In terror or just in mischief? I'm not sure. He's going six miles an hour. Oh, you're right, Such. Ah, he's drunk. He doesn't care. Let's just, let's just fool around. Fargo police officer found the bus at Shanley High School and made contact with the driver, 71-year-old Bruce Arnold Tweed, and detected signs of alcohol impairment. Did a field sobriety test. He was arrested for DUI with minor in the vehicle. Showed a blood alcohol content of .12. We say the bus was from Valley Bus, driven by a Valley Bus employee, contracted by JP2 Catholic Schools. The schools advise middle and high school students to contact their parents to arrange alternate transportation. Do you suppose, do you suppose they have the sign out front of their uh, bus yep. yard, Sooch? No experience necessary. <laughs> Get out of here. Be under the legal limit. <laughs> Ticket to the largest Mega Millions jackpot in New York State lotto history has been claimed. It was claimed Tuesday. Reps for a group of lucky co-workers helped them claim the victory on Long Island. Uh, 23 co-workers won it, and they formed a company called New Life 2019. Lottery officials say the group chose a single lump sum payment for the $437 million jackpot. That means they'll get $176 million, so each winner will take home $2.5 
about $7.7 million. Wow. I wonder how long it would be before I got sued if I was a school bus driver. Day one. Oh. Five minutes. I don't even think you'd make it. My whole point of doing it would be to give those kids as much grief as possible. Right. Yeah. yeah, you can't I mean, do that that's anymore. That's what you're good at. Yeah. yeah, that's not allowed anymore. Nice hair, kid. <laughs> My kid's got the British teeth. He yeah. got the treatment earlier today. I asked uh, Reaver's kid if he's seen an English dentist. <laughs> he's missing about 14. Dad, what's that mean? <laughs> A Michigan powerlifter hailed as a hero last week after he helped a man who was pinned underneath a two-ton SUV. 29-year-old Ryan Belcher was at the end of his workday Thursday when he heard a loud crash outside. Said he noticed a Jeep Cherokee flipped upside down. He rushed outside toward the wreckage to try and help out. When he got there, he found a man trapped underneath calling out for help. Uh, Belcher said, uh, when I first, uh, this man, by the way, doesn't have great grammar. Don't make fun of him. He's a hero. Did he have to stop and change into that that red wrestling powerlifting <laughs> suit that they wear? The one that Kenny Sodbuster James <laughs> used to wear. <laughs> Kenny! <laughs> he always capable of Kenny J. Uh, Belcher said, when I first approached the vehicle, there was a good four men there, and they were all trying to move this vehicle. And I seen it wasn't happening. This is great. Uh, I figured, what a better time now to use what I know that I can actually do. Step aside, ladies. Belcher <laughs> weighs 350 pounds. He has the ability to squat 950 pounds, <laughs> holy mackerel, and deadlift another 800 pounds. No! He said he noticed he could get some leverage on the vehicle to try to move it off the man whose lower body was still inside the vehicle. Did he up. first say, here, hold my beard? <laughs> <laughs> he said, I just jumped right in. I seen a window that was broken out of the back of the vehicle, and I knew if I can swing the vehicle in a certain direction, I can free him from the pole. So I just stuck my arms in, and I don't know, I just grabbed it, lifted it up, started pushing, and all I heard was that's enough we can get him out now huh. no i've got wow. more in me i think my grandmother did that there's an old story in the family i think she lifted a 1938 lasalle off a dog not the fancy really? one i think so. the other one the other one the other grandma i, I, I don't believe it that's a big it, car though. i know I, i'm making that up oh <laughs> but she looked like she could anyway right yeah. she looked like she could. You gotta commit to these stories she had the, the you know those were the days of the grandma shoes Grandma yeah. shoes Smart. and sure. the uh, stockings oh, yeah. that just went up over the calves. The support hose. <laughs> Drink syrup right out of the jug. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the man Belcher saved and another woman suffered injuries in the crash, uh, but they should be okay. Was this Both in this country, John? No, this Michigan. was in my hometown. Can't you tell? This by the, country. Uh, Michigan. Said. That's, that's this country, John. Michigan. Right. That's You could have said well, yes. Yes, Joe. That's yeah. in Michigan. Uh, upper Michigan? Because that's uh, debatable. That I don't know. Take and go. Well, good for that fellow. He's yeah. a hero, isn't he, John? He is, and he met with the family on Sunday and was thanked vociferously. I would hope so. Yes. Fantastic. So, it's fantastic. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. Let's visit the failed academy for another example of power washing. Oh, God, help me. Folsom Lake College, I believe that's Colorado, notified the local police after finding a poster of a cartoon frog stating that hate has no home on our campus. A faculty member found a sheet featuring Pepe the frog 
on their office door earlier in February. The school informed the Los Rios, I'm sorry, it's California. Los Rios, California Police Department about the incident, so it would be heightened alert for any signs that this may be part of a large trend or pattern. I, I, I'm i being power washed here because to me it was just a frog. Does anyone know anything about Pepe the Frog? I don't. I've never heard of it. I looked no, it up. I'm, I'm, I looked yeah. it up. Uh, it's been adopted as a meme. Uh, apparently some right-wing groups have used the smirking frog Uh and and somebody was so alert to that and knew that that they uh, freaked out when they saw the frog on a poster. And so uh, they called the police because they feared uh, imminent disaster because somebody <laughs> put a frog up on the bulletin board. Pepe the Frog. And they called I'm the seeing police. and I looked it up. Pepe the Frog has its own Wikipedia mm-hmm. uh, entry. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. I don't even want to read this the hell. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. I'm looking at the poster right now. Yeah. It's something about a free speech rally. Yeah. It's free. Oh, you know what? It's it's a paper pinned on to a bulletin board next to a free speech rally advertisement. It's a standalone where it's just the frog and nothing else. Well, it did cause a lot of terror. But so. yeah, it was placed next to a free speech rally yeah, poster. Under new guidelines to be released this week by the New York City Commission on Human Rights, the targeting of people based on their hair or hairstyle at work, school, or in public uh, spaces will now be considered racial discrimination. What? The change in law applies to anyone in New York City, but is aimed at remedying the disparate treatment of black people. The guideline specifically mentions the right of New Yorkers to maintain their natural hair, treated or untreated hairstyles such as locks, cornrows, twists, braids, bantu knots, fades, afros, and or the right to keep hair in an uncut or untrimmed state. In practice, the guidelines give legal recourse to individuals who have been harassed, threatened, punished, demoted, or fired because of the texture or style of their hair. The city commission can level penalties of up to $250,000 on defendants that are found in violation of the guidelines, and there is no cap on damages. The commission can also force internal policy changes and rehirings at offending institutions. So I guess if you're a, you, uh, you're a teller at a bank yep. and you've got their really bad hair, uh, the the bank the guy who owns the bank can't uh, can't admonish you in any way. You, I, I guess you have to be accepting of the bad hair. Uh, I I would not call that racism. The move was prompted in part by investigations after complaints from workers at two Bronx businesses, a medical facility in Morris Park, and a nonprofit in Morrisania, as well as workers at an Upper East Side hair salon and a restaurant in Queens. Uh, the guidelines obtained by the New York Times before their public release are believed to be the first of their kind in the country. They are based on the argument that hair is inherent to one's race and can be closely associated with racial, ethnic, or cultural identities and is therefore protected under the city's human rights laws, which outlaw discrimination on the basis of race, gender, national origin, religion, and other protected classes. And you have to say that includes now hair. Did you see what was in parentheses there? The new guidelines do not interfere with health and safety reasons for wearing hair up in a net right. or as long as the rules apply to everyone. Yeah. Can you? Uh, does it say if you can compliment someone on their hair? Is that, does that go the opposite no, I wouldn't, way? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, or is that I sexual harassment? I wouldn't risk that. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk that. No. Hair discrimination. I didn't know we had hair discrimination. I had no idea. Well, it affects people of all ages, Matt. 
Uh, in the past several years, there have been a number of cases of black students sent home or punished for their hairstyles. What? In New Jersey, the state civil rights division and its interscholastic athletic association started separate investigations in December when Andrew Johnson, a black high school student, was told to cut off his dreadlocks or forfeit a wrestling match. I remember that case. I, I, I think the kid was treated poorly. Mm-hmm. Leave him alone. Yeah. He gets to wear his hair and dreadlocks. right. right. Last August, an 11-year-old student in Terrytown, Louisiana, was sent home from school for wearing braids, as were a 6-year-old boy in Florida who wore dreadlocks. In 2017, Maya and Deanna Cook, twin sisters in Massachusetts, were forced to serve detentions because officials said their braids violated the school's grooming policy. Well, all right. I think a kid, if a kid's capable of growing dreadlocks, I'm jealous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will never My have official dreadlocks. position I've, would be I'm jealous of you. I've uh, often said if I had the ability to grow an afro, I would have the world's biggest <laughs> afro. You really would. It'd be like NBA style in the 70s, remember? Or, sure. W- what was oh, it? Be, you'd be like Link on Mod Squad. Yeah, just a huge... <laughs> Be yeah. a beach ball sized afro. Oh, I remember a one guy so awesome. that played in the NFL when he took his helmet off, it just went boom. Yeah, it yeah. would it spring just out sky high. In my uh, in my long hair days, do you remember when I had the cornrow braids? Yes, yes. Yeah. yes, I had those a while. Rook, read this. You have better eyes in this light. It's a great email. Uh, okay, this email comes from Molly. From Molly. Hey, Joe. I'm writing on behalf of my husband, Bert, who was a farmer here in the Twin Cities. Our family farms about 200 acres, mainly sweet corn, other fruits and vegetables, a corn maze, and some crops for rotation as well. We are the last resident farmers in the city of Brooklyn Park. We were listening to the podcast last week when you were discussing your observations about your lilacs blooming at about the same time every year. Bert wanted me to write to you to give his observations about farming in the era of climate change. He would have written himself, but English is the third of his four languages, and you may have some difficulty deciphering his writing nice. since he writes phonetically. To give you some background, Bert was born and raised in Brazil, the son of Dutch immigrants. Bert has lived and farmed on three continents and has numerous friends and family who farm in Brazil, the Netherlands, America, and other countries. Farms in Brazil make big American farms look tiny. Needless to say, on a large scale or small scale, this guy knows all about farming for anything from rice to cotton, corn to soybeans, sweet corn to wheat, etc. Bert first came to America 25 years ago and began farming sweet corn. Over 25 years of farming here in the Twin Cities, his first planting has been anywhere from early to uh, early April to early May. Uh, there are various reasons for planting that may be very early or very late, but no matter how early or late in the season he plants, the first sweet corn is always ripe around the 20th of July, huh. give or take a few days. Oh. Now, he understands it's only 25 years of personal observations, but he hears from the older local farmers that's about what it's always been. His friends and family who farm in other countries in Europe, South America, and Central America say the same thing. There are wet years, dry years, colder years, warmer years, but in general, the climate has not influenced farming farming, uh, much that they have seen. In fact, the warmer years have been the most prosperous years for farming, so if the climate is warming, that would be really good for farmers and the global food supply. Hmm. I was a kid when Garage Logic started. My parents listened all the time, and now I have the podcast on, so our six kids uh, are listening all the time as well. Keep up the good work and continue to push back, Molly. 
Postscript, Bert has always wondered about his cylinder index and what it should be. We live and farm within the city limits of Brooklyn Park, so are we rural or urban, and what would be an acceptable CI? Well, you're urban, and your your CI should be, uh, you should be, you should strive to be at your age or above it. At your age or above it. Right, so we don't know how old Bert is. All I Um, could think of during that whole reading was they're sitting on acreage. Yep. In town. Right. Oh, my goodness. They're sitting on a fortune. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is Isn't this, that a nice email from Molly, though? Yeah, is email. this the Bert? Does he, uh, this might be the guy that has the corn maze uh, in Brooklyn Park. It probably is, right along 169. Yeah, he's, yeah. Got a, he's got an accent. We, I've talked, we, we've, had, we've had him on the show before, long years I, ago. I wonder if the length. Years ago. The, length, the, point, the point of this was oh. that... that and she acknowledges 25 years is not, or Bert acknowledges 25 years is nothing, but I'm just here to tell you that my experience has been, and they're referencing my lilacs, their, their experience has been, it's been about the same for 25 years, and as I talk to my friends around the world, it's been about the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was her point. Right. I wonder if the blooming of these is uh, has a direct correlation with the length of the days. You know, the sun is up oh, a for a certain and... amount of time, and sure. it sets for a certain amount of time, and... That, I think, tends to cause things to bloom and ripen, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it has to do with... Uh, okay, here, we farm go. here it comes. Uh, wait, well, let me get my pen and paper. <laughs> okay. You know, the angle of the uh, double reciprocating uh, Harkin block on two half-ton ratchets. Is, uh, and then the universe spins counterclockwise to the choice. And I think oh, that's what it does. Can we lemons. have uh, John Hyde in a moment? I want sweet corn now. I do, too. Oh, that I sounds good. <laughs> Did you ever think common sense would be this much fun? Joe Suchere. This is neat because I had an early I had an early heads up about this story. My brother was at the airport last night waiting to fly to New Jersey, and they were delayed. Uh, but the pilot or the uh, pilot allowed the people at the gate to make an announcement. Don't worry, we're going to have one hell of a tailwind behind us. We'll make up the time. Okay. And he also learned last night that a uh, a plane, uh, a Virgin Atlantic Boeing seven eighty seven, hit eight hundred and one miles an hour because wow. of a tailwind and made it from L A to London in nine hours. Wow! What? In nine hours, <laughs> it had a uh, on Monday somewhere over northern Pennsylvania, a Virgin Atlantic flown Boeing seven eight seven Dreamliner traveling from L A to London managed to go where few commercial planes have gone before, to a speed of 801 miles per hour. Wow. Uh, the Washington Post brought this to light. Pilots and aviation nerds were a Twitter about the Boeing speed, taking to journalism's favorite social medium, Twitter, to broadcast their delight at seeing the giant numbers appear. Now, this gets complicated, and I don't want to foul it up, because the airspeed's different than the ground speed. In other words, the plane was perfectly within its structural capabilities to go that fast okay. because airspeed apparently is different. 
than ground speed. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't know. to me, but that's... But that's if faster. If you tell than, me that, I'll buy it. That's faster than the speed of sound. The 801 right? mile per hour VMAX was the plane's ground speed or the rate at which it was passing over the chilly landscape of Pennsylvania. As far as the 787 was concerned, however, it was still well within the performance envelope it was designed for, zipping along close to its established cruising speed of around 560 miles per hour. Uh, how? It is a matter of airspeed versus ground speed. <laughs> ground speed, as it sounds like, is how fast a plane appears to be traveling from the vantage point of an observer on the solid, unmoving ground below. If you were the Flash and wanted to keep pace with the 787 above you, you'd have to be running along at 801 miles an hour to catch it. Wow. Airspeed, on the other hand, is how fast a plane is traveling compared to the air around it. For example, how fast it might look to a balloon floating along in the same air. In the case of yesterday's speeding Dreamliner, that wind was a jet stream current flowing from west to east at faster than normal speeds. As the Washington Post pointed out, a weather balloon lofted from central Long Island up to New York clocked the jet stream yesterday at a record 231 miles per hour. With wind that strong at the aircraft's back, even a 225-ton 787 can pick up a nice speed boost, in this case, enough to push it to speeds never before seen for its type, at least from the ground. Wow. Now I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a stab at seeing if I can interpret this in simpler ways. This is math. I know. And I'm probably gonna be wrong, but we have a lot of uh, people in the aviation industry who listen to the show and they'll correct me with emails. Okay. It sounds to me like the plane was going uh, what it's capable of going, five hundred and what did I say? Five eighty did you say five eighty? Here's my guess at what this means. Five hundred and sixty miles an hour. So the plane's capable of 560 miles an hour, and it's flying 560 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. but it's being pushed along by a wind that makes it appear that it's going 800, not makes it appear, that allows it it to achieve a distance of 801 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. That's my stab at attempting to understand this. But what did, was that, is the 560, is that what the aircraft is equipped to handle? The aircraft can do that. But, and it can't exceed that. If it exceeds that, then you're in trouble from a structural standpoint. Maybe it starts standpoint. falling apart. I have no idea. <laughs> Did you mention, um, like usual, I wasn't paying attention, your brother's flight to Jersey. How much time did they save? That's what always convinces never, me. I haven't talked to him. I assume he got there. All right, I would have heard. Because I, I used to, and I know you used to, and maybe still do, fly to Chicago a lot. Not anymore. I've determined that that driving is faster than flying to Chicago. But you recall sometimes that flight would sure. take an hour. Sometimes it would take 50 minutes. Right, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. No, I'm thinking is, yeah, that's all great, but how about the flight from London to Los Angeles? That might have taken it 18 took it twice hours. twice as long. Well, you're right. There were planes <laughs> making that flight that night. Right. It would have taken a much longer because of the wind. But, but think of that, nine hours. That's the flight. That's usually the time from here to London. Yeah, you're uh, right. It's roughly close to that. It's from here to London. This this started in L.A. Picked up the tailwind and bing, bang, boom. What I've do you only, think of that, John Height in the newsroom? I think uh, that's fast. Those pilots love making. <laughs> those pilots Thank love you, making. Son, uh, they love making those announcements too. We've got a bit of a headwind tonight, mm-hmm. so we should save ourselves ten minutes, and the entire plane erupts in applause. Mm-hmm. In my defense, there's a breaking news story that I'm gathering for my newscast. Well, your newscast is now due to us, and actually, Kenny uh, alerted me to it. So thank uh, you, Kenny. Uh, 
I wasn't paying attention to what Joe was saying. Matt, there's no need for you to look up the Virgin flights from L.A. to, to London. No, he's looking it up for I was, himself. I just wanted to see if the... Yeah. Um, uh, if, if they're on time. The, well, yeah. just to see where it started, because it'll tell you how fast they went on their log. And I just wanted to see where it hit 800 miles You know hour. what? I've had a fantastic idea. Souchere, the other day, I can't remember when, recommended that we all go to London. That's right. I think we should all go to London together. Yes. On Souchere's Dime. I love that idea. The let's podcast. Do, let's live. do some podcasts right. from around the world, love Uncle that. Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go see Will. Go see our yeah, we'll see yeah. Birmingham. You're having Birmingham. a laugh from Birmingham. Birmingham, Yorkshire. Uh, I have a, a million-dollar idea before I do any news. Uh, it, today, as I was driving here, you know, your windshield wipers get all yucky and, you know. That's horrible. right, Jim. Yeah. Run your defroster, uh, dummy. Well, I do, but they still, the ice collects on the uh, on the wipers. So uh, I thought to myself, you should have a little button that makes the wiper go out about two inches and slaps it back against your windshield. Isn't that a good idea? You don't do it the old school way, like just uh, reach out. like Such and I <laughs> roll down I do. the window at forty miles an hour and slap. <laughs> well, it. you just gave me another idea. Yeah, maybe it already exists. Uh-huh. Aren't there heated wipers? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't have heated wipers. I you don't, don't either. No. no. Uh, speaking of wipers, Kenny, I did you a huge favor. On your truck, I pulled your uh, windshield wipers oh, up so they're bastard. standing up. I figure you do that. It's a good thing Royce's in Florida oh, because virtually today, every yeah. car in the lot has what? their wipers what? up. I'm gonna yep. break those things off. <laughs> what is his problem with that? <laughs> He'd walk I in every day and announce, "We got a bunch of blap blappers in the in the parking lot that think they're better than the rest of us." <laughs> How <laughs> is that a sign that <laughs> you're better than us? He's mad that he would do have... it. You know what his problem is? He doesn't know how to extend his wiper. <laughs> right. yeah. Jealous. Probably. He's yes. opening yeah. a bag of chips. He just does a scab. Yeah, yeah he middle. can't open a bag of potato chips. We had they, to teach him. They think they're beating the system by flipping up their wipers. I showed them, I flapped them right back on the windshield. Your bleepers? I always open a bag and tried to get a tool. I had to have a scissors and a knife and a hammer. Stab it in the yeah. middle and then rip it open. Right, like a kid on Christmas with the process. Yeah, I had to share a desk with them. Oh. If you had a large bag of chips, you had no shot at anybody ha- eating them the next day because the whole bag was torn wide open. Right. Like, it's like, something you would complain to your kids about. Exactly. Who opened the cereal exactly. boxes? Exactly. What the- I would get in, Joe, and there would be popcorn from one side of the room to the other. Like he'd take handfuls and just throw it at his face. Here's John Hyde in the newsroom. Well, room. thank you, Joe. Uh, let me give you this uh, update. Uh, this is a breaking. Uh, you talked about this on Monday, Joe. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says an Alabama woman who left home to join the Islamic State group in Syria is not a U.S. citizen and will not be allowed to return to the United States. Good. Pompeo says Hoda Muthana does not have a U.S. passport or any legal basis to enter the country. He said on Wednesday in a statement she will not be admitted to the U.S., 24-year-old who joined the Islamic State after becoming radicalized says she regrets aligning herself with ISIS, wants to return to the U.S. with her 18-month-old no. son. Does it remind you of any uh, anything from history? Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Yep. University of Minnesota task... Is her, is her life in danger by staying there? Do we know? Since I don't care. I don't well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the yeah. vast majority of people don't, but yeah. is, that, is that why she's... She went over there, Her the first husband that she had died a month later. The next husband that she had a baby with died a year and a half later, and now I don't know what if she's on number three or what. Bleeper. <laughs> University of Minnesota Task Force report recommends the removal of four names from campus buildings. 
125-page report made public Wednesday morning says the four men promoted racist policies at the U.N. were not simply a product of their times. The Task Force on Building Names and Institutional History recommends the names be removed from Kaufman Memorial Union, Nicholson Hall, Middlebrook Hall, and Coffee Hall. All were named in honor of previous administrators. Those administrators were Lotus, Delta Kaufman, Edward Nicholson, Middlebrook Hall, and Walter Coffey. The report cites instances of discrimination while those administrators were in their roles at the university. According to the group, uh, the group's report, our recommendations to remove the names from these buildings do not deny that these individuals operated within structures and systems that imposed constraints on what they saw as possible ways of carrying out their official duties. But neither do we believe that they were without choice, particularly given the power and discretion they exercised during their administrative roles. The report suggests that whether or not the names are removed from the buildings, that a permanent exhibit that explores the legacy of the named individual be installed in all of the buildings. We're talking some of the most famous buildings, Mm -hmm. noteworthy buildings on campus. Well, Kaufman's the union. That's where all the students gather. Nicholson Hall is huge. What say ye, Mr. Joe? Well, it's come up before. We've had a long discussion about Kaufman. Uh, well, they established segregated dorms, and they, uh, I'm not having a big problem with the U changing the names of these particular buildings. I don't care. It's so recent. It's just so recent. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not analogous to the Calhoun case. But why, again, the rush? Why, why does no someone rush. feel There's... the need? But why, why is there a need to do this? What were they named because before? Because the academy exists to uh, create equity. And so they have to establish it wherever they can. And by taking these names down, they're showing their constituency <laughs> that they're uh, forward-thinking. Will you grant me one thing in the Calhoun case? Hmm. They picked the right name to rename it. I don't care. That's it's the me. original name yeah. given by the Native Americans. Yeah. If they would have picked any other name, I would have been outraged. But they picked the right name. Now, my problem with it is where are you going to stop? Well, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, at least they picked the right name. Do we know, John, in this report Mm -hmm. what they're going to rename the building? Uh, No, no, uh, not at all. Uh, This actually is just a recommendation. P.J. Fleck Union Memorial Hall. Let's just run it, run it. Not sure. Kill Hall. Hall. (laughs) Well, doesn't he has something? uh, Didn't he and his wife, they started something that they they built, uh, it might be in the medical center. Because of the epilepsy that uh, uh, for I do his remember cause. something like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember what it is. Background me on Williams Arena. Where'd the Williams uh, come I from? Willem Arena. How you spell Willem? Look it up. How was Williams or, Arena named? Hormel Foods said Willem. Tuesday it's selling its cytosport business, including muscle milk products, to PepsiCo. Really? The Austin-based food company offered few details, said it'll talk about it Thursday morning when they report their latest quarterly results. Uh, Cytosport, based in Walnut Creek, California, got its start marketing protein-packed powders to weightlifters before developing ready-to-drink bottled products sold in groceries and other stores. Under Hormel's ownership, it rolled out a line of plant-based protein drinks and snack bars called Evolve. Throughout 2018, Hormel reported disappointing financial performance in the Cytosport line. Executives blaming several factors, including aggressive competitors and a loss of distribution at convenience stores. There it is. Read it, Such. It was named for Dr. Henry L. Williams, a football coach from 1900 to 1921. And apparently we can't find anything to indict him for, so that name is okay, I guess. I think the barn is better, though. Yeah. That's a cool name. 
Wisconsin High School is ending cheerleading awards given annually to girls with the largest breasts or buttocks. What? Really? They had that going, huh? (laughs) What in the world? What year is it there? After district officials received repeated complaints from parents and a former coach. What what town is this? Uh, Tremper. Wisconsin. Kenosha Unified School District. Is that near Waukesha? No. What in the wide world? Coaches at Tremper High School in the Kenosha Unified School District give out awards each year recognizing the most improved or hardest working cheerleaders, but they also have gag awards called Big Booty, Big Booby, and String Bean. The last award, of course, would go to the thinnest team member. Nothing about camels in the there? Amer- the American Civil Liberty. What is wrong with you? Well, American Where do we start? American Civil Liberties Union of Wisconsin said emails and other documents it obtained during a year-long investigation show the awards were handed out for at least five years at a banquet. Jeez. How did that last that long? What the what? That banquet attended by uh, coaches, family members, attended and friends. Attended by everybody who could get in. Right? <laughs> and some students. <laughs> the whole town turned out. Room only. People came from out of town. <laughs> Former track coach Patty Hupp told the Kenosha News, I'm disgusted with the cheer coaches and with parents that sat there and said and did nothing. She emailed Tremper Principal Steve Connect last year to express her concerns after a parent notified her about the awards. Connect told cheerleading coaches in an April 28th email that he would launch an investigation into the awards after getting complaints from four different people. Uh, He later told a parent who followed up that he had found no evidence of wrongdoing. When the parent asked for justification, he wrote in a letter that the awards were meant to be funny and the coaches were, quote, just joking around. ACLU notified the school district of its investigation and concerns from parents in a letter on Tuesday. The developing mind of young ladies, when you start talking to them about the size of their bosom, that sticks with them for the rest I, of their lives. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's unbelievable. Still, still happening. Unbelievable. Well, apparently, it's not going to happen. They already anymore. have image problems the way it well, is. Well, the worst oh of God. it is somebody gets the string bean award. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you skinny little punk. <laughs> you can Jeez. see right through you. Wow. A couple of years ago, <laughs> eat a sandwich. A couple of years ago during sports talk, recall we had uh, we we started an online uh, account for that Packer dating website. And we were That's matched right. up with oh, Big yeah. Booty Judy. Yeah. She yeah. would have been a winner of yeah. the Big, big Booty, booty Award. Yeah. Uh, big <laughs> big uh, Judy. Some, some big, uh, somewhat breaking national news here. You can have that one, too. Okay. Attorney General Bill Barr, according to sources, is preparing to announce as early as next week the completion of Robert Mueller's Russia investigation, with plans for Barr to submit to Congress soon after a summary of Mueller's confidential report, according to people familiar with the plans. Preparations are the clearest indication yet that Mueller is almost done with the investigation. The precise timing of the announcement subject to change, according to those sources. The scope and contours of what Barr will send to Congress remain unclear. Also unclear is how long it'll take justice officials to prepare what would be submitted to lawmakers. But with President Trump soon to travel overseas for a summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, justice officials are mindful of not interfering with the White House's diplomatic efforts, which could impact the timing. The Justice Department and the Special Counsel's Office declined to comment. Barr has said he wants to be as transparent as possible with Congress and the public. He also wants to be consistent with the rules of law, he said. Under the Special Counsel regs, Mueller must submit a confidential report to the Attorney General at the conclusion of the work, but the rules don't require it to be shared with Congress or, by extension, the public. 
Will you do the one I just gave you? I will. I can't. I've got it in my hands. You're going to have to put your specs on. It's really small writing. Okay. And uh, this is fascinating. It Remember? really is. And that's why I want to do this last story. Let me just highlight the... Uh, why do these stories allow them to be printed out so small? Why isn't there just a, a generic... Font. You can rip through the first two paragraphs. The good stuff is circled there. Is okay. that the question of the day? Oh, that is the question boy. of the day I asked. This really is small, isn't it? Uh, and Why do you think I gave it to you? Martina is in trouble. Martina Navitz. Do you need me to read it, John? There's also first. some grammar issues here because it says a... LGBTQ. You want one of us to read it? Let me set it up for you, John. Sure. Martina Navratilova is an 18-time Grand Slam, Grand Slam yep. winner. She's sure. a lesbian. Yep. And she has now been denounced by the LGBTQRMPPQRTYZMNOPPQR community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because she believes that a transgendered female participating in sports t- is tantamount to cheating. Yes, unfair okay. physical advantage. The says. reason I think it's fascinating is if you don't accept her opinion, you're oh. not going to accept anybody's. anybody's. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Hmm. She's she, an expert. Yeah, right. but she's hmm. not trans. No, but she's but but, but her she's point, been a competitive but, athlete. But her point her is, life. she's part of that community, yes. and she's lesbian, and she knows perfectly well that a male has a greater physical capacity to beat her at tennis than a, than a than a, yeah. than a female. Was it her that played Connors? No, that's Billie no. Jean King. Oh, King, Billie yeah. Jean. No, played Connors. You mean played Bobby uh, Riggs? Played, played Bobby Riggs. Okay. That was that was Billie Jean yeah. King and Bobby Riggs. All right. Uh, she said, a man can decide to be female, take hormones if required by whatever sporting organization is concerned, win everything in sight, perhaps earn a small fortune, and then reverse this decision and go back to making babies if he so desires. Mm. She says, it's insane and it's cheating. That's pretty offensive, Such. Come on. Well, but my point is, yeah, no, I if understand. you find it offensive, it's coming from one of their kindred spirits. Yeah. She says she would not it's want to It's different compete. if I say it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's offensive if I say it. The part about going back and making babies Well, I don't know what that part's all. I, I don't that's, even know how that works. Are you thinking about that's becoming a, ridiculous a female statement. tennis player, Joe? Don't know how that works. What? Are you thinking about becoming a female tennis player? I, I was a, I was a uh, good tennis player. Hell no. I don't want to play Serena Williams. Yeah. We used to, when Joe and I were young, tennis was very big. I used to play tennis almost every day. Oh, female tennis is awesome. It's a way better sport than uh, to, gentleman to play tennis. Or? Say no podcast tomorrow. It's right. insane and cheating, no. she said. I got to do stuff. I am happy to address transgender <laughs> women stuff. in whatever form she prefers. <laughs> But I would not be happy to compete against her. It would not be fair. Gentlemen, I advise we just sit back and watch this happen and uh, not get <laughs> sit to, this play out. Not get too involved in the opinions of that. You realize Ooh, that um, that's a hot one. Henry Williams from Williams Arena. Uh, in nineteen oh three the Gophers went fourteen oh and one. Their lone tie came against Fielding Yost Michigan Wolverines. After the contest, the Wolverines left their water jug at Northrop Field, which gave rise to the uh, little brown jug, sure, one of the yep. oldest, most famous college trophies. Wait, is it Williams or Willem? I think it's Willem. I'm going to spell here with one jugs. <laughs> I knew the jug story. Did you? Yeah. I know my jug stories. <laughs> Don't we hit that music. Let's, let's, let's go. If you're in Wisconsin, you'd have an well, award for We're going to be back in here Friday, but tomorrow i got to do stuff. you got to yeah, do stuff. I'm going to do some stuff Not tomorrow, all too. of us. Maybe you yeah, you're not gonna one be of your sycophants. Got to go look outside. Johnny uh, and I, we have I lives. I will be here, yeah. 
I'm going to go to your pickup truck, and I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put those two shoes on the front and then drop some lemonade right on it so it looks like it was on top. You don't wrap this up. GarageLogic.com is where you can find all of these one hour or one take series we're going to do that that way this way from now on to make it so much easier for you just to click and listen so check it out garagelogic.com and on a nice pleasant note table talk with rookies family is up on podcast one have a listen don't forget to rate us all on apple itunes we'll catch you next time